Welcome back to Work Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanza, coming to you live from Split Rocks in the middle of the dog days of the summer, Anthony, yet we have a packed house here at Split Rocks, so we thank everybody for coming on out. Our next live show is at Elsie's on August 29th at 7 p.m. Uh, definitely come on out to that. Uh, August 29th, 7 p.m. Uh, will be an awesome show. And then we have a really special announcement. Uh, September 14th, around 6 p.m., or when Anthony gets there, uh, okay. At Kowalski's in Woodbury, we get all these people that say, how come you never come to the East Metro? East Metro. We're coming. We're coming. Kowalski's in Woodbury at 6 p.m. on September 14th. I'm pretty sure I have the right date there. Uh, we'll be outside on the patio uh, doing a podcast. Anthony will be cooking. Grill some uh, steaks. Grill some steaks. And, uh, and everybody will get... You get uh, to try the steaks uh, and all that stuff in the past. You can done. critique the grilling. Yes, I definitely critique the grilling. So um, if you live in the East Metro, especially uh, uh, St. Paul, Woodbury, Lake Elmo, White Bear, whatever, Oakdale, Maplewood, come on out to uh, Kowalski's at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, that's my Kowalski's, uh, not your Kowalski's. Uh, so I, I know that one I've like been the back to that. of my hand. I've been there quite often. Before the one was built by my house, I used to stop there. Anytime I was playing golf out on the eastern side, I'd stop there. I didn't realize. I just found out that there's one in Stillwater. In the last probably three weeks, I've stopped there a couple times. Yeah. On the near Loggers Trail, right. so it works out exactly. well for me. Uh, yeah, it's right, uh, right there. Um, so uh, thanks, to everybody, for coming on out uh, in the middle of this. Um, I just got back from Hawaii yesterday. Um, and so that was like, what are the chances? So we go to Sicily. And this is making me nervous because I'm going to Stockholm on Sunday, which I just learned by looking at a map that it's an island too, basically. Uh, so the last reality, we go to Sicily and our airport catches on fire and we can't get out of there. And now there's an erupting Mount Etna. We went to the top of Mount Etna and uh, it's erupting right now and they've shut that same airport down, Catania. Then I go to Maui and the day before uh, we're on the big island, we have a bunch of fires there. So we're trying to figure out how to get to Maui quicker. And then we find out that Maui is really uh, affected by the fires going on there. The day that, that, uh, that all this happened, even on the big island, which is, you know, the way the crow flies. I mean, you could, you know, get there in 20 minutes by flight. Um, we, the winds were unbelievable from, hur from the hurricane that just passed uh, south of us. I mean, it was like winds that I've never seen before, and I grew up in Florida. And, uh, and while we were driving back, we went and visited the volcano there, Kilauea, and as we're driving back across the island, we saw just north of our hotel a fire that was coming our way. But the, but the difference there is that where the fire was north of our hotel, there's just volcanic rock that before our hotel, so there was just almost no way that this thing was going to be able to to hop it, and the other thing is between the fire and our hotel was a giant fire station. So they contained it really well. And then I woke up the next day and I saw about Lahaina, and even though we were going to Wailea Beach, um, and the Marriott there, when I called there, they said they were totally unaffected to come on down. It just felt like uh, it, would have been, it would have been disrespectful, first of all, to, to continue on to Maui. So we just uh, extended our trip on the Big Island for five more days. But absolutely awful what would happen in Lahaina. Yeah, amazing. And when you see the, the video of it and the pictures, it's, it's incredible. We lived this a little, not lived it, but we were out in California during the worst of their wildfires maybe four or five years ago mm -hmm. on a trip. And, and some of the stories that you heard of, of people's homes, of neighborhoods, of I remember I sat at a bar one night next to somebody who had owned a horse farm, and they lost all their horses because... They tried to set their horses free to get them to leave because they knew that the fire was coming. But all the horses, when they were set free and they opened the fences, they were just, they wanted to save their lives. The horses all ran back into the barn because that's where their comfort was. Right. And then the barn burned down. So this, the woman I was chatting with had lost all the horses that, I remember that, that they had raised. It was, so those stories, they're just incredible. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's like, I mean, the amount of times I've been to Lahaina is a bunch, and we had so many different dinners um, in Lahaina that were scheduled for this trip, and I looked them all up, and all the, the three restaurants we were going to, that Lunani is the one that actually recommended us to go to, have all burned down. Um, you see the people in the ocean uh, jumping in there to try to escape the fire. It's just crazy how quickly... It's amazing how fast it spreads, yeah. isn't it? When I started to talk to people about it, and they were talking about like how fast it went across a football field, I was amazed. I had no idea that fire... Yeah. spread that fast yeah. that were like you literally couldn't get out yeah. of the way. And it, you see, even seeing it on the big island, the way all the telephone poles are, they're right through the trees. And if you don't maintain those, 
you know, cutting down those trees. And that's apparently what happened is that these these telephone poles uh, crashed to the ground during the windstorm and, and, and start all this. So it's just going to be uh, really, uh, uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this as well. Uh, just a tragic, tragic situation. Uh, an incredible town, that Lahaina. I've been there, uh, as I mentioned, three or four times um, and, uh, and have had some of my most fun times in Hawaii in that city. And I just uh, I, I feel for all the people there and that are affected by it. But, um, but uh, you know, man, uh, it's just crazy that second trip in a row, you're on an island trying to figure out how the heck to get off of it, you know? Yeah, I, I was amazed then after the couple days later, I read the story about Mount Etna erupting, which was uncanny because we had we had been halfway up the mountain and they were talking about, I it, we learned a lot on that trip about when volcanoes erupt, the way the lava flows. It isn't mm -hmm. like you see in the movies where the lava's roaring down the mountain and everybody's running for safety. It takes days and they try to redirect it and but the way it changes the mountain landscape yeah and the way that it's now the current structure is because of previous eruptions and when we were there we didn't see any of that obviously but but it was smoking it was smoking yeah but it's always smoking I yeah think. yeah um and and the last time we when we were there in july it had just erupted a month earlier right it was uh, or no was that that was kilauea sorry yeah. kilauea erupted in june um, and that was still smoking too. When I just went there, we went right to the crater there, and uh, it was still smoking. And um, but but uh, it was a couple years ago that I think Etna erupted last. And uh, and uh, but that was a fun trip. I mean, talk about learning. You know, we went basically right on top of one of the craters, uh, which is pretty neat. Yeah. So you're saying we shouldn't buy stock in any Swedish airports while you're there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah. And today, you know, just like I was trying to navigate my trip today because I got the roster of players that I'm going to be talking to on uh, Wednesday, and I thought Thursday I was going to take go up to Karlstad and meet up with Ericsson Well, Now it turns out that I'm going Tuesday, so I was rearranging all that type of stuff. Um, so Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be the days that I think will be the moment of truth for me and trying to figure out. How to you know survive uh, in Stockholm? But I'm looking forward to this trip. I'm getting to sit down with Gustafsson and Eriksson Ek on this trip one-on-one, uh, -on -one. and then uh, a ton of incredible uh, NHL players. I'll be uh, chatting with uh, you know Miko Rantanen's going to be there, um, uh, Tim Stutzla, uh, Elias Pettersson. There's the laundry list of players is just uh, is just outstanding. Well, uh, most important is you get some research done for yeah. uh, assuming that. You, that I, you and I both make the trip there with the wild. Yes. You need some advanced research for restaurants. and That's a good point. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get my restaurant privileges back. Yeah, I'm not back sure, and, but we'll at least like take that. them under consideration. Uh, but, yeah, no, looking forward to that. And I think I'm the only U.S. Uh, 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 writer going over there, so I uh, have exclusive access to all this. So it'll be cool. I'm looking forward to sitting down with Eck, though, especially, um, you know, just because we really didn't get to talk to him a lot since the injury. Uh, that occurred that really devastated the wild season. He was probably their most irreplaceable player. And, uh, I mean, look what happened when Kaprizov went out, right? I mean, they actually went on a tear. Um, but Eriksson Ek, because of their lack of depth, uh, you know, arguably at center is the reason why that they just couldn't replace that. And then you add in the knee injury that Hartman had and that he was playing with in the playoffs. It just became insurmountable. And so I just would love to talk to him about that whole situation and blocking Malkin's shot and, and uh, now, months later, you know, what he feels about that situation, how he's feeling. I do understand he's 100% from, from uh, everything I'm hearing and that he's ready to go coming into training camp. Yeah, and I think it's a, you're exactly right. We've talked about it a number of times that, well, not the best player on the roster, the toughest to replace. And an indication of just how important it is to, to be good down the middle in your lineup, to have depth down the middle in your lineup. And I think we've seen the Wild address that a couple of years down the road now with the guys that they're drafting and adding, but you can tell it's a point of emphasis for how they're building this team now is to make sure that they are well prepared for those kind of situations in the future. And uh, we see that Hartman's healthy. Uh, you know, we saw him, uh, all his pictures on Instagram of his wedding, uh, dancing and all that stuff. So I think his knee's feeling pretty good uh, after an off season of uh, treatment and things like that. Um, Again, we're, uh, there's worst seats in the house. We're coming in from Split Rocks. Uh, August 29th is our next live show at LC's at 7 p.m. This is the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Two for one grain belts, by the way, going on right now. We have a microphone up here. If you would like to uh, ask a question, uh, don't be shy. You don't have to be invited up. Come on up at any time. Um, and whoever wants to be the first one is going to get a T-shirt. we got three to give away. Um, 
Kalen Addison is their only unsigned restricted free agent right now. It is not close. Um, he didn't accept his qualifying offer, uh, which I didn't expect him to do. Um, but there's not a lot of negotiating room, as we know, with the Wild right now. I mean, they only have about a million seven in cap space and uh, would like to have a, a 13th forward at times on the roster and would like to be able to afford injuries and things like that. And so Addison had no leverage in terms of waiver, in terms of arbitration and things like that. So while he might feel like he could command more and probably uh, the market indicates that, um, there's really nowhere the Wild can go here. Um, and so it's just going to be ex interesting as camp gets closer, if he remains unsigned, is he really going to put himself in a position after being scratched so much in the second half of the season in, in a very important season for himself to, to play hardball? I think that he's going to have to at some point just sort of sign his contract, one-year deal, have a big year, bet on himself, and then... Right, uh, yeah. bet on yourself and prove it. And you've got every indication is that you're going to have the opportunity to be the guy running the first power play at the start of the season, to be in the lineup almost every night at the start of the season, given the chance to play your way out of those roles, why not just sign the contract? You know it's going to end up there anyway. Yeah. You have zero leverage. Sign the contract. Don't piss anybody off, and then come in and have a great year. Bet on yourself, and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, like the what's what can you get? I mean, you know, are you really getting even close to a mil? You know, are you going over a million? You might as well just sign whatever you can now, um, and allow this team to also have a thirteenth forward. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be really interesting how they sort of, you know, play with the chess chess pieces this year because uh, they are going to be probably a time where they are going to have to play shorthanded one night. Uh, because of the cap situation that they're in, and um, you know, unless we, there's something unforeseen that we see. Um, in terms of other stuff, I uh, checked around today. Um, no extension talks yet with Marcus Foligno or Matt Zuccarello or Ryan Hartman. Um, I think if you had to put them all in order of who would get an extension, I think Foligno is clear number one on that list, and then probably uh, Zuccarello and Hartman neck and neck. I think Zuccarello, while it makes sense to extend them, when you look at who's Nadinov coming and Yurov coming, even though they might not be uh, uh, ready right away, these guys aren't far, far off. So with him, everything is going to come down to term and how long that extension is for somebody that's already in his mid-30s. Yeah, I, and he's given every indication that his game's not slipping, but you have to expect it will at some point. And, and it's going to come down, even though you're going to have some extra money in three seasons, there's a lot of money that's going to be needed to keep the guys you yes. have here as is now that I just don't think you're not going to be in a spot where you're rolling the dice on contracts with veteran guys. I don't think at that point. Yeah. Uh, back to Hawaii. So I went to a bunch of coffee plantations that was coffee farms in Kona. Yep. Uh, man, were some of these good, but do you like, it is insane how expensive coffee is on the, on the Island. Like do like to buy a bag of coffee, fifty bucks minimum. Really? Yeah. Even though it's right there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like going to a winery in in Napa where they up the prices rather than lower the yeah, prices. So opposite of going yep. to a vineyard. I won't say the name of it, but I went to one winery in Hawaii. You would have killed me if we if I dragged you there. Killed me. It might have been the worst thing that I worst wine that I've ever had. I don't know. And I, I, I don't want to name the place we, I know, but I don't want to name the place where we went before just for. But that wine you recommended that night was about as bad as anything I've ever tasted. In my oh, life. that was really good. It tastes like Hawaiian punch. This doesn't even taste like Hawaiian <laughs> yeah. punch. It's bad. Uh, so winery's good, uh, no good. Uh, coffee, amazing. Uh, I bought a, a bunch of bags home still. Uh, tried to get on the discount train there. But uh, there was one place in went Kona Joe's. Beautiful place right on the water. Um, and remind me of Mocha Joe, so you had yeah. to go to Kona Joe. Yeah. And uh, and I'm telling you, the coffee was so good. good I just had, a, I just Mocha had a splurge. Yeah. I had a splurge on it. Uh, so uh, that was awesome. Went to an incredible restaurant called Merriman. So Merriman is a, a famous uh, chef there, right? And they got they got restaurants all over the, all the islands. Uh, you know, Kauai, Oahu, Maui. Um, not sure about Lahai, uh, but but Lanai, but uh, um. Definitely the one on the Big Island is unbelievable. Then they own a bunch of other ones like Monkey Pot and things like that. But this Merriman, uh, it, was as we, it was so good we went twice. Um, and this is one thing that if I dragged you, you would actually be like, all right, you're, you I now mean, can pick restaurants on the road this season. Well, we're, I don't know if we go that far. <laughs> where, uh, where, where we had some great wine while you were in Hawaii, we were touring the upper Midwest 
we had a couple weekends in a yeah, row. Yeah, I off. saw that. And the first weekend, we went up and visited some friends from our from last year's Europe trip up on the in the Brainerd area. Then drove across to Wisconsin to visit one of my oldest friends, one of my high school buddies. And we're we get there, we're, we get on his pontoon, and he's just starting to give us a tour of the lake. And he said, "Yeah, and you know your your buddy." Louis has a place on this lake. Yeah, I've I said, "Oh, there. really?" And and so I text Louis, and hey, we're cruising on Balsam Lake. He texts back within like eight seconds and says, "Well, stop by." Well, so then there's a little communication problem with trying to show him, have him tell us where he was. But we got that done. We pull up on this. There's five of us on the pontoon. We pull up, and this is not an exaggeration. Four hours later, we left. Yeah. After his daughter-in-law had whipped up a couple charcuterie yeah. trays, some fresh veggies out of their garden, we had gone through, I think, I'm going to say five bottles of wine, and these were some of the most incredible yeah. bottles of wine that, yeah. that I've had. We had a couple Brunellos that were off the charts, and this was just on a whim that we happened to be on the lake and swung by, and, and as soon as we walked in the door, his daughter-in-law is starting to fire stuff yeah, up in the kitchen a, but the place is unbelievable yeah did he bring you to the the area where he has the pickleball courts yeah, and all that stuff just, yeah. just finished the second pole yeah. barn and yeah um it's it really is a magnificent uh compound i would say um and uh, same thing so he invited me uh either last summer or two summers ago i went there thinking it was gonna be a whole like nanny letary like whole like like you know party of of people and i show up there and i'm like wait a minute there's one car in the in the lot. Like, what's going on here? So I'm like, I, am I, did I come the wrong day? Knock on the door, and it's just Francine and him, and they invited me for the weekend. And it was one of the best weekends I've ever had. It was just like, you know, you just, same thing. You know, I went there, I did a podcast with him on his patio, and his people are going by in boats, they're screaming, Lou, and all this stuff. He's got charcuterie boards and wine and all that stuff. Then that night, we go into town, we go to dinner, then we're sitting on the on the couch till like 3 a.m. Him and I just smoking cigars, and he's telling me story after story. And still, it's 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 one of my favorite memories I've ever had here in the, in the, since I moved to Minnesota in 05. Yeah, no, that was a that was great. Then our other weekend, we went glamping. I'm a glamper. Now. Yeah, like explain this to me. So I saw that. Yeah, I'm a rugged outdoorsman. Yeah. And so explain glamping. So glamping, we drove to Mount Rushmore. Basically, we were a little bit about 10 minutes away from it, but it's a, it's like a campground on the side of a hill, and so it's all tents. But the tents have wooden floors, and like ours had a shower and a and running water, uh, had a toilet and stuff. There were some others that didn't because they had public showers and restrooms if you if you had the smaller tent. But a queen bed, little fireplace. But it's kind of cool. There's I think there's maybe fifty tents or something that are all kind of scattered around this this place and then there's a, a main i guess you can't really call it a main lodge because it's a tent but it's this big tent where they have a bar and a restaurant and they had live music till like 10 o'clock at night and so it actually turned out great we had aj and and his girlfriend were there and then gianni and her boyfriend were there and margo and i so we would we we drove in there the first night we just sat on this deck and you had this great view of mount rushmore which was pretty cool and Sat out there listening to music, and the next day we went to Custer. I don't know if it's Custer State Park, must be. And we hiked up to the top of this peak, which is the highest peak, like this side of the Rockies, which was really cool. It's a great hike. Ended up being like eight and a half miles, and and there's, I think there's thirteen or fourteen different trails that go up there, and you can pick like how strenuous you want it to be. And so we did this great hike. It's a company called Under Canvas that runs these things, and it's it was really cool. Yeah, I saw some of the pictures where it looked like there were community tents where you. There's could, one big tent in the middle that was uh -huh. the lodge tent okay. where you'd go up and you could have. They had it was a small kitchen, but they had maybe five or six things you could have for breakfast and maybe eight or ten different things on the dinner menu and it had wow. a bar and. Yeah, I saw you and, playing cards and things like that. Yeah, I would have definitely fun. gone with you, but I would have stayed the Marriott down the street. Right. Yeah, I don't think it was a Marriott. I think right. it was Sue's. Comfy Inn or something like that. Down. Did they give Marriott points? <laughs> Speaking of points, how about this? So I didn't even know, but um, all of a sudden I'm at the Honolulu Sky Club the other day, Delta Sky Club, and, and I get this announcement like 20 minutes before the flight that says, you know, Passenger Russo, can you come to the front, please? And right away I'm like, oh, F, like something. Hey, like, Brandon, you don't have yeah. to beep that out. Yeah. 
<laughs> Brandon's playing dice with buddies or something. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I'm like, oh, this is not going to be good. Like, they, you know, they don't call you up 20 minutes before a flight, right? They're, and and the, there's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be, <laughs> there's going to be, uh, you know, this is going to sound bad, but I was also seat one, and I know that part of the issue when you are seat one is that you are basically saying if anybody, if you have to give up your seat, you're, you're, you know, to somebody that's disabled or something like that, they're, they're calling you up there, and you are changing your seat. There's no choice. So right away, I'm like, oh, boy, I bet. Funny they never come to me yeah. in row 36. Yeah, so I bet I'm, I'm, like, thinking to myself, all right, we're about to be moved to row 36. So I go to the front, like, all nervous, and I look at the woman. It's a supervisor, too, wearing a red coat, and um, right away my heart sinks. I'm like, I'm either being bumped off this flight or something. And I just go to her, this can't be good. And she goes, are you passenger Russo? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, this is your 2 million, th- uh, you're hitting 2 million miles today on Delta. And I'm like, what? And she like hands me a, a gift from Delta. And all the, like all these agents are meeting me. They want to take picture with me and all this stuff. And then I go to the gate um, and somebody came right up to me. He's like, I knew you were going to be on this flight. And I'm like, why? He's like, because they were announcing your name like 25 times. So I was, they figured that, all right, I'm in the Sky Club. So that's where they came. And then at the end of the flight, uh, the, uh, the whole flight crew came up to me and gave me a card and shook my hand, all this stuff. So I hit 2 million miles on Delta on this flight. I mean, that's a lot of miles. It is. Yeah. I mean, just, to, just think of the, like, the amount of time that I have spent in the air in my life. And that's just Delta. That's not including, we I mean, might include Northwest. I can't remember if they, if that went over in the merger, but that's not including all the airlines I took in Florida, US Air, and Continental, and TWA, and all that type of stuff. By the way, all three of those don't even exist anymore. Um, so, uh, so that was pretty cool. It might not feel like it right now with hot weather outside, but falls just around the corner. So if you're getting ready for the new season with the need for new clothing, check out Twill at the Galleria in Edina. It's a great place to shop if you're returning to work, returning to the office, returning to travel. They've got great people there who can help you. They've got different sport shirts, sport coat options, and they'll be able to put you in the right kind of clothing for whatever your situation might be. Check it out. It's at Twill, the Galleria in Edina. Hey, uh, yeah, absolutely. The summer season, uh, selling season is here. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home, so you can be better informed and ready to move when the time is right. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easiest way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. Uh, you can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, well, go to kristendahl.com. There's no obligation. Again, kristendahl.com or go call 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. What's up? Thanks for coming. First of all, I love the show. Um, Thank you. I love the podcast. So I want to ask a bit of an abstract question because I think the buyout salary cap horse is dead. So I'm, I'm asking you guys to think three years from now when we don't have to worry about all of that, and given what you think the lineup's going to look like with the young guys and all of that, who of the free agents that, Michael, you probably know are, you know, at that free agent time, who do you, who do you think would be a really good fit, money, no object, right. to hear with the wild with all the young guys? Well, money, no object. I mean, uh, if he's available, dries idle. Um, but, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Edmonton's going to figure out a way to re-sign him. Um, Joe Smith and I wrote a story a couple weeks ago where you could look at some of the names that are out there. We didn't want to throw, and we'll talk. Joe and I are going to do a podcast tomorrow, and we're going to explain our attack with that because we got some criticism in the comments for not being uh, creative enough to, to, 
to answer essentially the question that you're answering. And the one reason why we, want to do, we didn't want to do that is something that Anthony said at the beginning of the show, is that we all think that two years from now that they're just going to go out and spend a bunch of money, but the reality is, is that Kaprizov's going to name his price, and then you have all these kids, Wallstedt, Huzadinov, Yurov, Rossi, if he pans out, all these guys that they are, if they are going to be great, they're going to have to save money for, and it's not an infinite amount of money. So the goal by this organization is to actually give that money internally and hope that these kids pan out, and if they don't, then you're going to have to figure it out. Um, but but you're, you're probably not going to know by then. Um, the one thing I think that they actually would like to do, while, we, while I think every Wild fan would love them to go out and get a number one center, all the number one centers that are going to be available then are going to be ancient. You know, the Crosby, in their mid-30s or late-30s, the Crosby's, all that... That stuff, um, you know, there were a couple other names on there that, you know, Tavares. I mean, Tavares is somebody that Toronto would give anything to get rid of right now. Um, the one thing that I think that Billy would like to do if some of these D don't pan out is actually go get a top, top defenseman, too. Yeah, and I think it, so much of it, I think all of it depends on what happens with the guys internally. And that's the first priority, both for the money, but also for the, the way you build your team is you have to know exactly what you're dealing with with those guys and therefore what the hole is. So I, I think it's really hard to right now say in three years, here's what you're going to need. And, and you know, we mentioned earlier the guys like Felino and Zuccarello. I mean, if those guys are the fit, it might depend on who is available. If there's another scorer available, maybe Felino's the guy you re-sign. If there's a, another third-line grinder guy like Felino, then maybe the sc- scorer's the guy you go sign. But bottom line is I don't think we're going to I really have no idea, yeah. but I, I would I would be surprised if most of the money isn't spent to just keep what you have here as a core. I, and who knows what Kaprizov's number is going to be, but it's going to be five million more than it is right now. Exactly, like he says, fourteen. They're going to have to give it to him. Um, you know, to to you know the other thing about and again, Joe and I are going to talk about this on the show, but you know, like. Money is an object, and that, that's the problem, is that like, we can't just uh, throw a bunch of names in the hat. We can make it a fantasy-type thing, do what the Flyers writer did, no offense to him, but have Victor Hedman and Karel Kaprizov on the Flyers in two years. Um, but we didn't want to do stuff like that. We wanted, to create, we wanted to do it in a way that made it as close to what we expect as, as possible. And, you know, they, ha- they are building with these young kids for a reason, and to just say, all right, pretend that none of them pan out, which is what a lot of people in the comments of our story wanted us to do. It just made no sense to us. So, you know, if I hate to keep on... none of them pan out, there won't be enough money yeah. to fill it. And if none of them pan out, there might be a new GM. Yeah, I mean, frankly, let's be honest. So, I mean, that's probably a little bit hyperbole, but they are, there's a reason why they are, they are um, you know, building this... this, this is, there's a reason why he is building through a certain methodology of, like, they had the cap space to go out and make some huge noise this, this trade deadline. He chose not to because he doesn't want to give up those picks and prospects and things like that. So, question. Ready? So, my question is uh, about Mason Shaw. Fourth-line guy. Everybody started to like him as he played because he's just a grinder. Good kid, and then it was just heartbreaking what happened to him. So it was my understanding or through, you know, reading mm-hmm. whatnot that Billy Guerin was like, look, we're going to take care of you. We'll sign you next year. But then nobody said a word about him. And then this whole cap space is talking about it. So I'm just kind of curious, where's he at? What's he doing? And basically, do you think that the Wild are going to, you know, cap him or sign him at all? Well, and then my other question before I leave is, real quick trivia, how many... Players have the Wild have it on their roster that have been the number one picks in the NHL. Say that again. Number one overall? Number one overall. How many hockey players, number one overall, have the Wild have had on their roster? Number uh, one overall. And I believe there's three. Yeah, I mean, Flower. Um, what's that? Four, you're saying? Okay, so four now. Murray's the only one I, that I yeah. thought of right off the top of my head, actually. Um, it, yeah, uh, one was a burnout. Oh, Alexander Dagg, yeah. Um, who are the others off the top? I can't remember. 
Okay, Owen Nolan. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, so uh, it'll come to me at some point. Um, Mason Shaw. I mean, basically what happened there is that the Wild actually went to him and um, offered him an AHL deal, an expensive AHL deal, and his, his agents wanted to first go into free agency and look around to see if they can get him an NHL deal. Um, but they didn't want to give him an NHL deal right off the hop because then they would have to go into LTI and it would create a problem when he was ready to play. So they didn't want to go into LTI. So they offered him a very expensive AHL deal to not play, but to be here in uh, Minnesota and continue his rehab and things like that. His agents turned it down. My guess is at some point they're going to say, yeah, because they're, they're going to want him to get paid. Um, but regardless, the Wild are willing to take care of him right now. Um, he's here. He's basically part of the team. He's going to tree every day. He's doing podcasts. You would never know that he's not part of the team. He's living in Minnesota. Um, they're, they're essentially funding his rehab, letting him work out the facilities. Um, and then the goal is that when he is ready to play, to go down, rehab, you know, play in Iowa, and then they would be willing to put him on, uh, sign him on an NHL deal. He'd have to clear waivers and then be here. But they didn't want to do that until he's ready to play because they don't know what the latest, what the, what is is going to happen with him and things like that. Yeah. Hi. Hey. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, for anybody listening at home, I definitely encourage you to come out to one of these events. This is really cool. Thank you. First we time encourage you too. Yeah. <laughs> um, August 29th at Elsie's. There you go. Uh, so I have a couple questions, actually. Uh, first one for you, Michael. Do you are you aware of the fika culture in Scandinavia, or the what that is? Fika? No. What is that? So it's like a very big coffee culture. Oh, okay. Uh, and they get together like every afternoon. They'll drink coffee and a pastry. Well, so I know to... that is uh, on the to do list with <laughs> Eric's neck on Tuesday. Nice. Uh, I am. Uh, he is. He is found finding a place right near the train station that he says that we have to go to uh, for coffee awesome. uh, and, uh, and a bite and all that stuff. So, you have to let us know. Yeah. So those so, going the other thing I know that goes on in Sweden uh, that I'm going to talk to uh, Gustafsson about is uh, disc golf. That's where they uh, manufacture a lot of the discs. Oh, really? So, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll, uh, bet, I'll bet a thousand to one you don't play disc golf. <laughs> of course I don't. No, I mean on this trip. That oh, of you course won't I'm play. not playing disc golf. <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? You watch him play disc golf. Yeah. Right. Um, question. So I win my bet. <laughs> uh, question related to uh, both of your guys' careers. What's uh, one thing, whether it be a story or something that you've either written or Lepanta, like a call that you've made or a game that you played that you're most proud of? Oh, boy. <laughs> I was thinking the other way as you were halfway through the question, like things I most regretted. But um. <laughs> I can think of two of Anthony that I, I like that your signature calls. One was Niederreiter. Um, the, yeah. the other one to me is I still think your Boldy uh, overtime winner in, in New Jersey is one of your best calls ever. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks, I appreciate that. That was yeah. I thought that was good because I was I was almost as out of breath as yeah, he was. It was just, it was end just, end. Yeah, yeah. Probably the Niederreiter call I I think was just because it it was the first. It was the, it was my second year calling NHL games, so it was the first playoff series win that I had ever been a part of, and a game seven overtime winner. And and I, I'll just one of the things in which I take some pride in that call is the Colorado TV guy didn't have the puck in the net, the national TV guy didn't have the puck in the net, the Canadian national guy didn't have the puck in the net, and I saw it go in and knew it was in and. And so, that and what's was, funny was is cool Brodziak's right. jumping up and down, and right. if you ask him today, he's he said that during that entire celebration, he was praying that he didn't make a fool out of himself, <laughs> yeah, because he just he heard the rattle of the back bar. Yeah, I actually talked to him about that because yeah. I said I saw, I thought I saw it go in, and I saw you jump, and I knew I was yeah. right, and just went with it, and he and he told me the same thing. He yeah. said I was hoping I was right. Who was the third goalie that night that was part of the celebration? Was it John Curry? Remember, so Kemper gets hurt in the third period, and Brzgalov comes in, wins the game. He faced one, one shot, shot right before that play. Great save. Faced, so he's in the final seven minutes of the third period. The Wild don't give up a shot. And then the first five minutes of overtime, he, he makes the save. Then Heatley comes down with Brodziak and sets up Nino. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was John Curry that was in the press box that had to run down and suit up. And if you look at the celebrations... Local guy, John Curry, I'm pretty sure is on the ice during the celebration, suited up. It's pretty neat. As the backup goalie. Yeah. yeah. As the technically the third goalie. And remember, 
the way the rule works is that he wasn't allowed to sit on the bench, so he was like suited up in the runway, and I think it came out with the celebration. If I remember correctly, you got to look at the celebration. Um, uh, I did an oral history uh, during the pandemic um, on that game seven, where I talked to everybody from Heatley to the, I think the refs to, I mean, it was a pretty cool, um, you know, yo, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty cool uh, oral history. So I highly recommend people reading that. Um, for me, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've written so many stories. I mean, one of my, I mean, one of my things I'm proudest of is like old school journalism was breaking the Parisian suitor deals because I was like literally old school journalism where I was hiding in trees and stalking airports. I mean, I was so stalking the St. Paul airport that that at the signature uh, area there where private planes come in at, at uh, St. Paul airport, it's attached to the uh, Minnesota Highway State Patrol uh, office, like right there. And I'm hide, literally hiding, drinking a Starbucks in the bushes waiting to watch this plane that I was tracking land to see if, if, uh, if uh, uh, essentially Neil Sheehy got off that plane and Leopold and Yo, and I just wanted to see for my own eyes that this thing was for real. And at some point, a cop came out and wanted to know why the heck I was against the fence <laughs> at the airport. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think just longevity of still doing this. You know, I've, some, I've talked to somebody about this the other day. In a, in a very turbulent business, I have somehow escaped in, you know, since 1990 of, of being a sports writer in 29 now seasons of being in the NHL of ever being laid off of getting that call that so many incredibly more talented hockey writers have gotten or sports writers have gotten that you're now without a job. And somehow I have escaped that and I've only worked for three places in my entire career and I'm the one that chose to leave there and that's the sunset on the strip. And so far I haven't gotten a call from the athletic knock on wood. So I think that's part of it too is that somehow I've just been lucky enough to make the right decisions in my career to, that have, have gotten me to where I've gotten. What about like your feature stories? Because to me, the, the reporting yeah. stuff is the stuff that would be exhausting and yeah. wouldn't make me want to do your job. But some of the feature stories have been pretty cool. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Again, I have like, my mind is like, it's blank. I probably like an hour from now can come up like a thousand features I've written. That I, I would be, um, you know, I mean, the Mark Parrish one, that was definitely one that, uh, you know, was hard to write to because I'm so close with him. Um, you know, that one, and, and there was a lot of, a lot of um, responsibility with that story to tell it right, but also not to, to explain the problem that he was dealing with. Um, the Derek Bugard 10-year anniversary of his death story was one that uh, was very hard to write and something I'm proud of. Um, the other one was sitting down with Zach Parisi when his dad... Uh, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and just and I just remember Zach crying at this table and thinking to myself like th this is really like I'm, I should be honored that he is willing to entrust this article in me um, and then same thing when his dad you know I'll never forget um, and when his dad was put in hospice when he stopped taking when he's like I'm done with chemo um, and I knew this and I was keeping it you know, I, I knew that uh, that we were days away from him passing away, and the Wild got their ass kicked, like 7-1 in Dallas, remember? Yeah. It was something like that. And Zach had a tough game, and after the game, we interviewed Zach, and Zach absolutely fell on the knife about how bad he was that night. And I, the whole time, I'm thinking to myself, like, he's doing all this and not letting people know that I am dealing with the most, like, my dad is going to die in hours. And I finally chased him to the bus. I'm like, Zach, I said, I'm willing to keep this a secret if, if you're willing, but I know that your dad is in hospice right now and you've, like, you know, uh, you know, taking the burden of this team and putting it on your shoulders right now. Like, I'm willing to tell this story if you would like to open up about it. And he essentially, um, by the team bus that night, opened up to me in absolute tears and I remember writing this story on the way home from Dallas, and I'm at my laptop on the plane crying as I'm writing it that, that, that his dad was in hospice, and, and he died like a day later. He missed the game against San Jose, I think it was. So and then we go to Buffalo, and just to show you how incredible the team is, um, you know, the team goes to Buffalo. They make the Dubnik trade. The entire team comes home together, goes to the funeral, including Dubnik, who didn't even know who Zach was at that point. You know, it was, it was pretty cool that... that uh, it was that whole thing. So I mean, things like that. You know, it's more the, uh, it's more the uh, the human interest features that I enjoy writing. You know, so. 
But definitely you know, the, the personality profiles are the ones. The, as, you were, as you were telling the story, I was thinking back to when I worked for the St. Saint Paul Saints, I was their media relations guy plus their TV guy for a few years. And each year I had to put together the game program. And one year I wrote this feature story on Wayne Terwilliger. He, at the time, I think it was the year he turned 75 and it was like his 50th year in pro baseball or something. And so I asked him one day, would you just meet me at the coffee shop? Bring like your photo albums. I just want you to tell me your life story because I knew a little bit about it. Well, he starts going through his photo albums and telling me like, this is what I did, this is what I did. And as he's looking at the pic, what the theme of the story became is, oh, by the way, because it was like, here I am in spring training this year. Well, oh, by the way, the guy next to him is Jackie Robinson. And here's me hitting fungos when I was coaching in Washington. Well, by the way, the guy leaning on the bat next to you is Ted Williams. And here's the guys pushing the flag up on Iwo Jima. And oh, by the way, I'm the guy standing in the corner here. I mean, he was like, the, he's just away from the picture when that, that iconic statue was taking place. And so that, it was really cool. It was like one of it's my only experience as a sports writer, I guess, was, but telling the story because he was such an unassuming guy was really cool to just, you know, here's Pee Wee Reese and Jackie Robinson turning a double play. And oh, by the way, the guy going in to break up the double play yeah. is Wayne Terwilliger. And it, it's, so it's kind of cool. But those are the kind of moments and stories that you, when you get somebody that yeah. has a great story, it's it's cool when you can capture. Yeah, it. like when you if you name every player that I've ever covered, I could probably think of the feature that I would be most proud of writing. Like I like every Jared Spurgeon story I've written, I've liked. Um, you know, another Zach story that I'll never that I think is one of my best stories I've ever written was uh, his thousand game story, where I I like I've written every Zach Parisi story ever. What could this be like? And I'm like, well, let's hear from the women in Zach's life. And I sat in their kitchen in Edina, and I just interviewed his mom, Donna, and his wife, Alicia, uh, with Zach and this kid sitting there just listening to it. And it's, I mean, to me, it's through their eyes, Zach. And uh, so that stuff is pretty cool. Um, speaking of cool, uh, here is Carp's mom right here. Uh, uh, apparently, you can't, Carp can't come to the mic because he's banned from it, or, or what's... I, I don't know. What's it like <laughs> having a son that, in a day and age where it's impossible to get banned off Twitter, you have a son that is banned off Twitter? I do, and I still don't quite understand exactly what happened. He <laughs> lost both of his appeals, so he's not getting back on any time either. So. <laughs> Even now, everybody that's been banned off Twitter has been back on it except for Carp. So yeah, we got to I mean, figure it, out what he said. It couldn't have been that bad. I know, I mean, I know. he is a good... Kid. Yeah, he's he, he he so far already, hasn't been so. banned off threads, which is, uh, you know, it's impressive. That's pretty new, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's only yeah, been a month. We'll he's see. got time. We'll see. So, um, so my question is, now that Dumba's gone, um, who do you guys think could be um, a good candidate for the second A? And also, um, second part, when you're going uh, to Stockholm, you're going to see Rask at all? I will not probably see Rask. Uh, um, I will definitely, uh, I, I, but I will see the guy that I think should be the the, the second A, and that's Erickson yeah, Eck. I think Erickson Eck is the no-brainer choice. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a couple years, if this was two years from now, maybe you could say Kaprizov. Um, uh, you know, obviously Brodine would be a great candidate. But, I mean, Eck to me is, you know, he is the first, if you take out the 13-year deals by Parisian Suter, the eight-year maximum deal that teams are allowed to sign because of Parisian Suter. Um, you know, he's the first one that the Wild have ever signed in Wild history, and, and he did it at such great price. I think it says everything about him. Um, he's so important to this team. He's such a fiery competitor. Um, so well-respected. Yeah, I mean, he's just loved in that locker room, so I think he's the guy. We've got a couple of cool events coming up, and for that, we've reserved spots at Moe's. We're going to the Ice House up at Fogarty Arena for this year's Donkey Hockey League draft. They've got a great banquet room, so if you're going to need a spot for a meeting like that, want to have great food while you're there, check it out. They've got a great setup there. I've got a fantasy football draft coming up at the old traditional Moe's in Moundsview. And while you're there, they got some great cocktails I like. I'm a big fan of Rosie's Merry Mule. I'm a Moscow Mule fan, and this one adds a little splash of cranberry juice to it. So check it out, Moe's, either in Moundsview or at the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. Take a deep breath and listen up. Aquarius Home Services is here to improve your indoor air quality like never before. With our incredible deal, you can get up to $400 off a whole home air purification system. Are allergies, coughing, or congestion a constant struggle? Well, it might be time for an indoor air quality system. 
Say goodbye to contaminants like dust, dirt, pollen, dander, bacteria, smoke, dust mites, and more, leaving you with a fresh and healthy atmosphere in your home. Experience cleaner air today and grab our exclusive offer of up to $400 off a whole home air purification system. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. Don't wait. Save smarter with a 5.30% annual percentage yield 11-month certificate from Royal Credit Union. Royal's 5.30% 11-month certificate has no minimum opening balance and a locked-in rate for a guaranteed return on your investment. Open a 5.30% 11-month certificate at any Royal office or online at rcu.org slash certificate 530. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 8-21-23. Insured by NCUA. Question. Hey, um, so I got a kind of a two-part question. Also, by the way, Anthony, your game three 2014 uh, Grandland diving goal, yes. that was a great call, too. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. yeah that, was, that, was, that was quite a goal, too. Yeah. Oh, God. I we really got to stop pumping air, uh, Anthony's tires. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. So, um, Two-part question. First part, uh, more for uh, Michael, but because we know Anthony covers the Twins, but if you could cover – any other sport full time? Uh, what would it be? Uh, baseball. It's definitely yeah. my. It was my passion growing up. Uh, it's the sport that I played the best. Believe it or not. Um, and uh, I know that you doubt that. No, I don't. That so. you had to be the best at something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, um, but yeah, definitely baseball. Like I loved covering the Marlins during the 05 lockout. It was it was blast. And I covered everything during the 05 lockout and. Um, but of all the things, I, like I covered the Dolphins, and that was, it was fun. Um, Rick Spielman was the GM, and Dave Wanstatt was the coach until he got fired for Jim Bates. Um, but that was the year that Ricky Williams was sort of running around Tibet, uh, you know, smoking dope and, and uh, left the, you know, basically left the team. And it's the, it really was brutal. Like every single day, I opened up the Miami Herald and read what Dan Labitard reported, and I followed it up, and the next day, I would have to call Lee Steinberg and follow up the next thing that I got beat on. And, you know, it just, it was brutal uh, covering that uh, thing because of the relationship that Levitard had with uh, Ricky Williams. So they essentially were in constant dialogue. Um, I covered the heat. That was a blast with Shaq and D Wade and Eddie Jones and uh, Damon Jones and, um, you know, Dennis Haslam and uh, Stan Van Gundy was the coach. Pat Riley and Randy Fun were running the team. It was honestly a blast. Um, covered Inside the Ropes, Tiger and Phil that year at Doral. Covered uh, the beginning of Rafael Nadal uh, at uh, the NASDAQ. Um, but the Marlins were definitely, like, it was a blast. It was a blast traveling with them. It was a blast covering them. Um, so that would be my sport, yeah. And then my second part of the question is, Anthony, are you going to catch any Johnny games before the season starts? They play Bethel right, right before... Uh, Preseason. I will for sure, and uh, my my youngest daughter is going to be a senior up there, so I make the tailgating parties whenever I can. For the we just she was just trying to schedule one yesterday. We were playing golf, and she said, "How about coming up early? We'll play golf, then we'll go to the tailgating party." But yeah, I, I try to catch the Johnnies as often as I can on well, Saturday home games are tough to beat. Well, why didn't Ariana go to the Mount Rushmore? I think she was working. Okay. I don't know. Maybe she wasn't invited. I'm not yeah, sure. that's. I'm guessing it might have been that. Um, is Mount Rushmore like some people say? You get there and it's sort of unimpressive. I mean, was it impressive? I actually thought it was more impressive. I had hadn't been there since I was young. I've never been and, even south. And I Dakota. thought it was more impressive when you get close to it and you really see it. And we had a great view from this deck. And the the one of the mornings it was cloudy, but there was like sunlight shining just on their on the faces, mm-hmm. and it was really a cool. They have a, it's lit up at night. They have lights on it, so it's kind of cool. I, I I found it more impressive to see it up close than I had remembered. Oh yeah, uh, awesome shirt by the way. I just went down to Charleston and saw Trampled play uh, with uh, Shaky Graves, and it was amazing concert. Uh, and it was it was the other thing that was really cool about it is that in, so like a lot of times when you go see Trampled. And you see them at Red Rocks or Duluth or here at Treasure Island or something like that. You go backstage after the show, and there's so many people seeing them that you don't really get to spend time with your friends. And so what was cool about this is that they had really nobody. So I, I went with Stolhansky and his wife, Barbara, and we went back after the show, and we hung out with uh, Simonette and Amon. We went to dinner with Amon, the stand-up, the cello player, the night before, and then uh, Dave Carroll and, and Tim and all these guys. We hung out backstage for probably... 
two and a half hours, three hours, and it was an absolute blast. So I can't wait to see them September 16th at Treasure Island. Yeah, we just saw them in Duluth last month, so yeah, for the second year I missed year that show. It's, yeah, they, it's epic every time they play there. It is, it yeah. is. Hey, the question I have is with um, Kalen Addison and John Merrill really getting benched down the stretch for the last one to two months, quite a bit. Um, how much concern is there in the third pairing of D with, with Goligowski and those three rotating? I mean, they, they didn't play a lot down the stretch. Yeah. So h- how much concern overall is there? I think there's some concern, but that's what we were talking about earlier with Addison is it really looks like he's going to get a shot because they, they know they need him on the power play. So he's going to get a shot to show that he can at least be a serviceable third pair defenseman. And, and if he, because Jared Spurgeon was better when he was just killing penalties and not running the power play. And I think that had as big an impact on it as anything else. So He's going to get a shot, and then those other two guys. I mean, I think Alex Goligoski can still play, and I don't know if he can play 82 games and and handle that grind. We haven't seen it for a couple of years, but there's some concern. They have to be a, a a pair that you can count on, and Addison has to be serviceable. Yeah, um, I chatted with uh, Dean recently, and he has big plans for Addison, so that's why. You know, you almost wish Dean could sit down with Addison and let him know how much he actually likes him as a player and wants him to succeed and is going to give him every opportunity this year to court QB, that power play and everything. And then I bet you he'd sign the next day. It's kind of like when uh, I witnessed Goudreau meeting with uh, with Dean in Nashville and that night the five-year deal was signed. You could tell that Goudreau was trying to just confirm that, like, look, am I going to have this role here for the next five years if I'm willing to give this much term up? in my career at this age. Um, and it's the same thing. And so Dean really believes in Addison, I think wants to give him a, a, a true shot this year. So, um, but to your point, I, I do think it's a concern. Um, you know, the Merrill Goligoski thing is interested. I think the team really was down on Merrill down the stretch in, in the playoffs, um, but yet Goligoski really never got a shot at all. Um, and I, I, I think they're going to probably, I mean, in Dean's mind, I think Merrill is still the guy that is, you know, I think he wants that grit in the lineup. And so um, Merrill's, I think the hope is that his slow, st- that his season and maybe the, the down the stretch part of it has to do with the being late, to, you know, start the season because of the, the offseason shoulder surgery that he had last summer after the world championship injury and things like that. And that they're going to see a better John Merrill this year. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, a lot is going to be riding on Faber, too. Uh, you know, he's going to be... You We're know, assuming that yeah. Faber is going to handle the role of a top-four guy, yeah, and, and, I, and I don't think there's any reason not to yeah. believe that, but it is a big jump. It's a huge jump, especially because, you know, he played third pair in the playoffs, and they were able to shelter him there. And now they're not. I mean, if he's playing with Brodeen, which we are all anticipating... Brodeen's out there against McDavid. Brodeen's out there against McKinnon. That means Faber's out there against McDavid. Right. That means Faber's out there against McKinnon. And so this is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles this uh, this year. I, Middleton uh, filled in for, uh, was, came on as a guest uh, when Anthony, uh, I think, had the Twins game recently. And and uh, Middleton went on and on about Faber on that podcast, if you didn't listen to it. And he basically says that he's incredible defenseman now and is going to be able to handle it and, and things like that. But there's a big jump when yep. you, you go from part of it's being sheltered on the third pair, part of it's just the expectations, part of it is the workload. He's never handled the workload of an NHL schedule before. Mm-hmm. Think about how different it is from a college schedule where you're playing two games on the weekend and then you have four days off, five days off. Here you're every other night for six months against bigger, stronger, more talented players. And, and that's, I think, a part of the reason why there's still a little unknown with him, and frankly, there still is with the goaltender. Philip Gustafson was the go-to guy from mid-February to the end of the season, so for two and a half months, he was a number one goaltender, and that's it. And even then, he wasn't playing every night. They were still going almost every other night for most of that stretch. So there's a big difference to handling the pressure, handling the accountability, and handling the physical and mental workload of being a number one guy. I certainly think he's capable of it, but I don't think it's fair to just assume that he's going to be. Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm I'm looking forward to sitting down with him on Wednesday um, in Stockholm and really getting more in-depth on on that 
pressure that he is coming into this year and, and, and how he is handling it. Because he made it extremely clear on his conference call a couple of weeks ago that uh, this is a prove-me contract and, and that he even knows that he's got to prove it. And so he is uh, – and it, you know, it is, it is interesting to me that, you know, in Billy's mind, though, he's not technically the number one. Like, Fleury is still going to be a big part of this team. Um, he's still going to get his, his, uh, his reps, quote-unquote, and I think that they want to make sure that Gustafson is fresh going into the playoffs and things like that. Um, but this is a huge deal, and, and we'll be able to sort of sit down with him on Wednesday and figure that out. Um, any other questions? we got like about five more minutes left in the show. Uh, so uh, last call for questions. Somebody has. Carp, you don't, you don't want to ask a question? You scared you're going to get banned? Yeah. Nobody's ever been banned on our show, have they? No, but Carp could definitely be the first, I'm yeah. guessing. Uh, Carp, we're going to make you famous. Oh, it's Carp's birthday today, right? Yeah, yeah happy birthday. We'll have to sing to you. Rally I can't up. believe that you don't have a question, Brian. <laughs> Rally up for another question here. Yeah. Um, if you had pick of every Minnesota Wild player that has played for the franchise, what would be your top line and your top D pair? All right. That's a good question. Uh, Kaprizov at left wing. Can I move Ralston back to center then? Sure. All right. Well, I mean... Gabrick's got to be on your right. line if you're. So yeah, you so got top Gabrick line, I would, I would go, I would go uh, Ralston at center. Then he is a, technically a natural center, but he played left wing here. So I'll go Kaprizov, Ralston, um, and um, and are we are, like uh, to your question? Could it be? Is it what they are now, or is it what they were then? Because the other thing is like it's hard not to put Burns on the team as your top line, but Burns wasn't really Burns yet. If that makes sense. So, what do you want? What do you want it to be? For the wild. All right. So then, so I'll go. Uh, so me, I'll go. Kaprizov, Ralston, and Gabrick as your top line, and uh, on your D pair, I'll go Spurgeon and Suter. Suter and Spurgeon. Mm. Yeah, and it depends on what you want in that top D pair. And I'll I go have, Backstrom at goalie. Yeah, Backstrom. I think Backstrom has to be that. Well, although Dubnik yeah. at his best was he was. Lights out. He was lights out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just to be the contrarian, I'll go Dubnik. And, you know, Willie Mitchell would be hard not to, mm-hmm. to put on that top D pair. Suter, when he was at his best, was damn good, too. But, again, I'll go – I'll just go – I'll go Willie Mitchell on my top D pair. With, I'll go Mitchell and Suter. Okay. So both Dubnik. playing uh, – who's playing on the right side? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Because we know that Suter doesn't like to play the yeah, right, right side. It doesn't so it's matter. It's going to have to be Willie. Yeah. Um, so over Spurgeon, I can't well, believe you. You know, just because when those first couple of years that Suter was here, he was really uh, – it was unbelievable. He yeah. was playing 30, 30 to 35 minutes, it seemed, almost mm-hmm. every night, was playing as much as anybody in the league, playing against the best and, and doing it effortlessly. And you know, I'll take Spur- I'll actually take Brodeen too as yeah. in a heartbeat if we're trying to stop somebody. But if we're if this if this one group is going on the ice to try to score a goal, I'll take Suter and and Willie. Yeah, I, I think that's good. It, you know, Suter and Brodeen pretty much neck and neck. But you know, I think Suter when he was great here, he was great. Um, and I think sometimes people forget that. Any other last questions? Are we going to wrap up the show? Final questions? All right, uh, August uh, 29th is our next live show. That's at Elsie's at 7 p.m. Um, the other fun show that we're announcing today, um, and we are doing two live shows in uh, September, and I believe two in October as well. Uh, one, just to tell you, is going to be the day before the home opener, So, uh, and that'll be at Elsie's. So I guess we're telling you everything now. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'll keep the second September show a secret. So August 29th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. September 14th at Kowalski's in Woodbury around 6 p.m. We're going to try to do it a little earlier just because uh, I Googled uh, sunset on that day, and it's like 7.20. So we're going to try it at 6 p.m. Uh, Anthony uh, would never have thought of doing something that's, that smart. He would have just started the pot at 7 in the pitch black. So uh, You're talking about somebody that grills like 200 nights a year. I know, but we got to have the people be able to see us. Oh. Well, that's fine. Yeah. So anyway, so 6 p.m.-ish, uh, whenever Anthony gets done with high school football practice at I'll CG, be there at 6. This guy figured out a way to get from the, uh, from the Hockey Day Minnesota and White Bear Lake, a game that ended at like 20 minutes before the Wild game that night, and he somehow figured out a way to get 
to the game on time. He could figure out a way to get to, from TGs. I'll be there. Yeah. I might have to have a different path than I took that night. Yeah, but yeah. This, but we'll work it out. We'll get you an escort. Um, so 6 p.m. that September 14th. So definitely come out to that at uh, Kowalski's. Um, that'll be a blast. Uh, Brandon's looking forward to it. Um, Thanks, everybody, for joining us at the Aquarius Home Services studio on location here at Split Rocks. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut water treatment systems, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. And by the way, they are coming to my house tomorrow morning to do our, their annual or technically uh, biannual uh, uh, tune-up. They do it before the winter and the summer. Um, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Twill in the Edina Galleria, uh, Moe's Tavern, and Royal Credit Union. Thanks, everybody, for coming Thank on you. out. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner The other thing is, uh, nothing is going on with the team. Zero. Squat.